Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Welcome into Poke the Bear, episode 144, presented by FanDuel. That is Connor Ryan. I'm Evan Marinovsky. Connor, what is up? Evan, I'm doing well. How you doing? Doing great. Doing great. You are uh, hours away from heading back to Florida for game six. Maybe this time you can hit the Rainforest Cafe. One can hope, Evan. One can hope. So if, we're looking to... for any, if we're looking for any silver linings here, I got a... A, a plate of mac and cheese uh, with my name on it over the Rainforest Cafe. So <laughs> we're always trying to find the positives and things. So the Bruins actually lost game five. Linus Omar gave the puck up solely for uh, Connor to go back to the Rainforest Cafe. Bruins fans just just deal with game six. And so Connor can go to uh, the Rainforest Cafe. Uh, obviously, game six was not ideal. Uh, back and forth all night. Panthers were ahead the whole time. Bruins never led at all. Um, but I'll be honest, I did think in that third period, the Bruins would find a way to pull away. Never happened. Lauko takes that penalty uh, right after uh, Patrice Bergeron's goal. And suddenly, Marchand with that breakaway at the end of regulation with a second left. Oh, my God. Um, what that place would have turned into had that puck gone in. And then Ekblad almost kind of like shoveled it in his own net. So yeah. there was like that added aspect of it, too. Um, and then overtime was a complete dud uh, for Bruins fans. You have, you know, Linus Olmark turning the puck over, mad scramble in front. Um, is it time to panic? No, I don't think it's time to panic. Like, I think you can look at that game and say it was very disappointing, very frustrating. But also, it's kind of what we hearken back to. And it's not trying to be like the the beacon of good tidings amid like a what I think has probably been a very frustrating series, right? I think it's probably the best way to put it. Um, but I think you look at that game with the Bruins control play for large stretches, especially after that first period. Um, it almost felt inevitable that they were going to get that extra goal across, as you mentioned. But once again, it seems like it's more of just the Bruins doing uncharacteristic self-inflicted uh, miscues, whether it's like the Bertuzzi uh, turnover, that power play goal uh, from Reinhardt during the third, where I think Fulbert, I think was out of position as well. Just, uncharacteristic lapses from areas of strength for this team, whether it's puck management, the PK, what have you, that it just continues to drag this series out. And it's again, where every game's a new game, uh, you know, Florida, I'm sure is having a lot of momentum going back into their building. So a lot can change, you know, if we're recording a Bruins beat on uh, Monday, could be a very different tone, be very uh, 
eyes bloodshot, just like exhausted looking at how things have changed. I didn't even think of that. Ooh. But but I I think you look at this series, and again, if things go haywire, there will be a lot of uh, blame to to dole out. But in terms of where the Bruins are playing and where how they've carried most of this series – it just comes down to the same things we stressed about after that game too, where I think there was a lot of panic. It's the Bruins are doing these things themselves. It's not like last year in the Carolina series where Carolina's playing at a high level, they're pinning the Bruins in, and you're like, I don't know how they're breaking through this four check. Carolina's really got a, a good system in place. Like it's more of just the Bruins not taking care of the puck. Certain players aren't delivering in, in clutch moments. I mean, you look at when the Bruins had that power play there in the, the third period, it felt inevitable. Right. I think we were all like, all right, here's there's here's where they pull away. Right. This is how the season's gone so far. Um, but you know, whether it's them not capitalizing there or just making things way, way too easy for a Florida team that even if you can talk you can talk about their defense or what have you, still have a lot of very talented players up front. And if you make a miscue, especially uh down low, they're probably gonna bury them. So again, it's frustrating, it's annoying. Probably the Bruins can't uh, get a few extra days of rest before what could be a pretty tough series in the second round against Tampa Toronto if they get that far. But um, it is what it is. That, that is playoff hockey, but I, I don't view it as like a DEFCON 1. It's just frustrating, I think, is how you view how the Bruins have handled this series so far. Frustrating is the perfect word. It's too close for comfort, I think, for a lot of people. Uh, but as you said, the Bruins have done this to themselves. Uh, Wednesday night was all about Florida capitalizing on mistakes. You know, obviously the big one was in overtime. Lena Solmark turns the puck over, you know, gri- you know, miscommunication with Grizzlick. You could see that puck was coming down the wall a little slow. And you're mm-hmm. like, all right, I was actually down. I was on level three. I was watching on a TV. And even I was like, uh, uh, and you were up. You were like, I, you stayed up. I went downstairs because I figured the elevators, people don't know elevators at TD Garden are horrible, horrible. Yes. So I wanted to beat the tra- I wanted to beat the traffic downstairs. You stayed upstairs. You had a better view of it than I did. But that puck was trickling down the boards, and you're like, "All right, what's he gonna do here?" Hard forecheck by the Panthers, and it just kind of went haywire. I saw some comparisons to that, um, to the Tim Thomas game two against the Canucks in 2011 um, thing, which was I think worse. I think yeah, that, was that one was Thomas that was. One was- that was awful. I mean, Thomas was so far out of his crease. Chara did not remember Chara, like kind of let Burroughs just kind of go around the net. Like there was no defense there anyway. That almost had to happen though. Cause that seemed to wake up the Bruins in that series. And then it was, it was, it was that game. Was it that game that Luongo said after like, yeah, I don't wander out of my, that's what happens when you wander out of your crease. Was that that game? I, I believe so. I, I want to say that's what I, I think it was the next game or what the Bruins scored seven goals, right? Is I think it was game eight. Three or game? Yeah. yeah. So yeah, a lot happened in that seven games. That was a, that was a fun time. I don't think Bruins fans are having nearly as much fun. But again, I think this is also. <laughs> no, they're not. I, th- I think what people realize is you, you look back in those series, and if there was Twitter around that time, holy crap! After those first two games in Vancouver, the same with the first two games in Montreal in that series, you gotta kind of ride the wave over the stretch of a playoff run. It's never easy. It's never simple. It's never your best laid plans of a, a five game series against Florida doesn't come to pass. Things tend to go haywire, but. That's playoff hockey, and uh, if you win a cup or you look back in a few years in the future, you can look back and be like, "Well, that was quite a ride." But in the moment, not fun. A lot of, lot of, lot of takes on uh, on Twitter. I think the last couple of days, especially when they, the Bruins have lost these kind of self inflicted games. Well, a lot, and I think the other thing is before we get, I want to talk about David Pasternak in a second, but you know, 
we both coming into the series said this will go five games. Uh, the Panthers are not a huge opponent. We had been looking towards the second round and beyond. I still think, I still hold with, this is not the Panthers being this way better team. Now, they have outplayed the Bruins at times for sure. They have had better games than the Bruins for sure. But this is mainly the Bruins, as we have said, shooting themselves in the foot. Like, this is their own doing in a lot of these games. And again, I they've they've let the Panthers hang around. I think Thursday was, or excuse me, Wednesday was the best example of that. Just letting the Panthers hang around. Um, and and you're seeing uh, they're reaping uh, the the unfortunate parts of that by having to go back to Florida uh, for game six on Friday. I don't think the Bruins will be at the Rainforest Cafe. I, 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 I don't think they will be at the Rainforest Cafe. Uh, maybe they I'll will. I'll let you know. I'll let you know, Evan. You'll 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 do a live report. You'll do a you'll do a. We used to do podcasts from your car outside of Dunks. Uh, now we'll do them from uh, Rainforest Cafe in Florida. So, Can you uh, imagine just the background noise? You just hear like an orangutan in the background <laughs> and trying to get through get through our ad reads. <laughs> After the Bruins lose, you know, game six, that would be just a terrific vibes. Uh, the people would love that. Um, David Pasternak, lots to be said about him. Um, has not been a factor in this series the way that. Um, anyone would have expected him to be um, just doesn't look confident at times passing up shots shots are missing the net um, just doesn't have it right now just doesn't have it right now and as I said in the postgame show you know I guess it's you know the Bruins have had that depth scoring Taylor Hall's been outstanding Tyler Bertuzzi Jake DeBrusque has pitched in like past years you would be screwed if David Pasternak uh, was not producing you're not screwed yet you're not screwed yet, uh, but still, you need him to get it going because, you know, we'll get to game six in a second, but this is a must win. And, you know, looking ahead to other series, if you make it that far, like he, he's got to kick it into gear at some point. You got to start finding the back of the net. Yeah, uh, desperately. And it's something that you look at how deep this team is, the depth that they have, and it's come in droves this year, and you've seen it in this series with guys like Hall and Bertuzzi and even Coyle. I know he only has two points, but you watch his shifts. He's making an impact on most of his shifts out there. That's all great, and it's fantastic, but that should be viewed as, again, secondary scoring. The complementary part of putting this team over the top is the expected production you're getting out of guys like Marchand, who brought it, Bergeron, who scored that goal. Like If Pasternak's not giving you a few more goals over the span of a series – it's it's a tough hit. It's not only the fact it's two goals. It's, you know, again, his goal scoring is what stands out, but he's also a very gifted playmaker. And whether it's those seam feeds or what have you, it's just too much uh, careless play with the puck. And again, I, I tend not to like focus in just on the giveaways because I think we've talked about this before. All the best players in the NHL, I think Kucherov, Leon Dreisaitl, all of them are in the top five in terms of giveaways. Guys that are skilled in the offensive zone and hold on to the puck. They give, they give it up too, but it's usually it outweighs the, you know, the risk reward of that tends to pay off when you have a guy that talented on the ice. So the Bruins will live with those giveaways at times, but you need to have the, the scoring uh, to make up for it. And it just hasn't been the case so far with Pasternak. And I, I don't know if it, I don't think it's a physical issue or what have you, but I, I think for him, it's kind of like a situation where he needs to, you know, I think every game is a new slate. And I think you even saw that in game two where Pasternak, along with most of his teammates, was pretty much a no-show in the offensive zone. I think Pasternak only had two shots on goal in that game. What did he do in the, the next game, game three? He attempted 13 shots on net, landed seven of them, and scored a breakaway goal. Like, you need you need one of those responses from a guy like that um, because um, it's not just the fact that I think Florida doesn't have a, a stout defense, but 
Um, even like if Florida is playing at a high level, Pasternak with that skill set is often a cheat code, right? If you need a goal in a hurry, like I think everyone in the garden yesterday was expecting a Pasternak shot uh, on that power play, right? It just seemed, it seemed inevitable. And it's something I think we don't take for granted, but it's almost expected of a guy with, with his skill set to deliver in moments like that. And you need that moving forward. So I, I don't think he needs to necessarily change his approach. Uh, it's just about, you know, keeping a high volume of shots. I think that's the one thing. You don't want it to be tentative. Even if the puck isn't going in, you will take the 13 shot attempts and maybe four or five of them are blocked because it means he's feeling confident with the puck and you need that attacking mindset. You know, whatever line he's going to be on, if it has to be one that has to be more aggressive, you definitely need to get David Pasternak going uh, in game six. Badly. And Pasternak believes he's going to get going in game six, said, quote, uh, he's not frustrated and, quote, it's just a matter of time. It's going to go in and it's going to be tomorrow. So he is calling his shot. Yeah, like, like Petrov, Babe Ruth. Petrov McGuire uh, uh, made this point on Twitter of the picture of Babe Ruth calling his shot. So David Pashnaka seems to be doing that. Bruins would love for him to be correct. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. We'll get to Krejci uh, coming back in a second. Or, you know, how bad they need him and you know how that impacts Pasternak as well. Um, but in net, a lot of people were frustrated with Linus Olmark um, after Game 5 with the giveaway. Linus Olmark did not seem very frustrated with Linus Olmark um, after the game, which I guess you got to have that mentality if you're a goalie. Yes. You do kind of, uh, but there was definitely an aloofness to it. Um, but do they need to make a switch? Is this the time to make a switch? Yeah, I mean, it's a tough call to Jim Montgomery because I think we were talking about this in the last podcast of talking about Paul Maurice of like the the misplay you have in terms of do you go back to Alex Lyon? Do you go stick with Bob and how it plays out? It's one of those damned if you do, damned if you don't situations if you're if you're a coach in terms of who gets the net. I wouldn't be opposed to seeing what Swanley can give you in a game like this. Not to say that this isn't a high-stakes game, but you have a little bit of leverage. And again, I think that comes down to not not confidence or, or the, the play in net. And I don't think Omar was at his best, but I think it's more of the physical, uh, you know, how Omar is feeling. If you can give him a few more days off, maybe that can make a world of a difference. But again, that can also blow up in your face, right? Like even let's look at like the two different scenarios. If Swayman starts and he's not good, then you're in a winner go home game seven where you have to probably go back to Omar and who knows what his confidence level is at after not getting that start. And if the Bruins win and Swayman has a shutout or something like that, you have an interesting decision ahead of the second round, you know, depending on who you play. So um, it's one of those situations where we, we often talk about it, Evan, where it's like Charlie and always sunny with the big whiteboard, whichever way Montgomery picks, you've got, it's like, it's like those pick your own adventure books where it's like every yes. few, uh, every few pages is a different sure. thing. That's the Bruins dealing with their goaltending situation. There really isn't like a set, uh, a set, you know, best practice in terms of how they should approach this. But I think you can make the argument for either guy in this scenario. You can. Uh, the safer option is Olmark. Because yeah. if you put in Swayman, as you said, and he loses, you're suddenly in a winner go home game seven, which all the pressure is on you. Every ounce of pressure is on you in that game. None of it is on Florida 
I think. I mean, you're the number one. Maybe the Milwaukee Bucks <laughs> that just happened. Um, but I, I also think if you if you take Olmark out now, after the giveaway he had in Game Five, how much does that shake his confidence? Like right now, he's on top of the world. I mean, not you know in as a whole, not just from Game Five. Obviously, the giveaway was bad, but you know, best goalie in the league this year. Like you take him out after a giveaway like that, what message does that send? Now they have a better read on it than I do. You know, I'm not in that. I'm not making the. I'm not the one making the decision. Thankfully, goalie but, Evan, goalie Evan, goalie Bob, goalie Evan. Who do you pick? Um, but I do. Th- I do think that taking him out is tough. Now, again, if Olmark is laboring, if they can afford, if they feel they can afford to give him a few more days off, it's not a bad idea, right? And I, I think we all trust in Swayman enough to get a win like this in a huge game if they turn to him. Um, but again, I think the safe option is Olmark. Because you can always play the what if game with Swayman, but you know they can always go back to hey, it was best goalie in the league this year. Why would you take him out? So I, I you know, again, the more the biggest thing to me is the injury. The, the you know, how is he feeling? If he's physically not great and he needs a few extra days off, this would be a time to do it. That's why winning in Game Five would have been that much better because you would have had a lot more time off uh, for a guy like Omar and for Bergeron. Um, and for Krejci. So interesting decision there. Uh, you know, again, Omar did not play bad in game five. He just really was not great. And the giveaway was awful. So it's like, you know, you just go back to that. Um, David Krejci will travel with the team to Florida for game six. Um, obviously, you do need him back. But I think the biggest thing is potentially reuniting him with Pasternak. Does that ignite Pasternak to start scoring at the level that he did during the regular season? Yeah, I think for, for Krejci, and again, it's, I think you look at the first two games of the series, I don't think Krejci was particularly sharp. If you looked at the underlying numbers, you could make the argument that he was terrible. Like, they were getting smoked, uh, that, that awesome. line that he drove in those first two games. But I do think it's the bigger picture in terms of the stability you get when you have Bergeron and Krejci back in that lineup and how much it settles the lines down. You know, whether it's you can roll out the usual group of Marchand, Bergeron, DeBrusque, who were reunited uh, midway through the game on in Game 5 and were really effective. And then if you keep the the check line together, right, uh, of Zaka, Krejci, and Pasternak, that's been a very dominant line all season long. And again, you then have the issue of like, all right, Tyler Bertuzzi's playing really well, uh, you know, with Pasternak. Taylor Hall has been arguably the most impactful forward in this series. But uh, again, it goes back to what we've always said in terms of like the the grand scheme of this lineup is if you have guys like Coyle, Hall, and Bertuzzi on the third line, you're doing pretty well for yourself. So um, I, I think that's where the, the biggest, uh, you know, Krejci's absence has been is just the lines being out of whack. So I think that's one thing. You look in that that first period where I, I could see why Montgomery was trying to switch things up. And if all of a sudden you you have a line, a top six where Martian and Bergeron are on different lines and they're delivering, Holy crap, that's pretty scary for the opposition. But I think you saw way too many of those lines really out of sorts, not generating a lot of traction. Um, that Hall, Zaka, uh, DeBrusque line really struggled early on in that game when it seemed like a pretty appealing trio to put together. So I think for Krejci, it's more about just how much that gets this lineup back in order in terms of everyone getting back to, I think, playing to their strengths and where they best fit in this lineup, as opposed to like they desperately miss 
X, Y, and Z out of Krejci's game in a certain spot. Like if he's healthy and he's playing well, he can certainly drive play. But I think it's what how he settles the rest of the lines that would make the biggest impact in this game six. I think part of the reason the Bruins came out so slow in game five was because they had all new lines. Like guys are yeah. playing with guys they're not used to playing with. That happens. Um, and we saw a little Bruce Cassidy-esque type moment where he's just trying to jumble the lines and make things work. Kind of, you said, the always sunny meme of Charlie just trying to put everything together. That was sort of like what Montgomery was doing. As you said, I get it. I get the point. But um, yeah, I mean, Krejci obviously was not, especially not good in game two, but he stabilizes things and he's, you know, you know what the lines are going to be. Um, so again, I think that if you can get him back for six, you slot him in um, and hopefully he's better than he was um, in games one or two. So it brings us to this Connor to end the show. This has to end in six, right? This has to, this has to, there's no a game seven for this series back in Boston where they have not played great, which by the way, they have home ice for the rest of the playoffs and they are bad at home, which is just like, woohoo. Um, but I don't think this city can handle a game seven in this series. I don't think any anybody can handle a game seven in the series. Um, does this end in six? Yeah, I think there's just too much going in the Bruins' favor in terms of how I think uh, committed they've been to playing to their strengths on the road. Um, they've played you know really responsible road games so far in the series. I think you look at how much they control play for most of that game. Again. Playoffs, so stuff can go haywire in a, in a minute, whether it's a, a costly turnover, Omar's not sharp if he's in there again, what have you. But it doesn't seem like too much is working in the Bruins' favor over, you know, over the this course of this six-game series now to not view them as the favorites to bounce back in this game. There's, this team has had lulls this year where they played really bad. Look at game two. Terrible. Arguably the worst performance of the year. And then they really control play for most of games three and four. Like, until this team consistently, you know, drops two in a row and has really uncharacteristic games, I'm going to give the 65 or, you know, however, how many wins they have now when you add in the fact that they've got play a postseason wins. I'm going to give the team that set the record books this year the benefit of the doubt in terms of bouncing back from really poor performances. But maybe I'll be wrong. But I just feel like it's the, the right play in terms of, you know, still having faith in this team pulling it out on the road. I'm not panicking. I still think they're fine in game six. I think they're going to, you know, they, they were able to do it in games three and four with their backs against the wall. Um, They'll be able to do it now. I know Bobrovsky's feeling it. He's more confident. He had a great game uh, five, obviously a lot of block shots in front of him, but still was great. Um, But I still think that any of Bergeron back now, like I just think that adds another layer Um, to me. I think they'll be fine. I do. I know people are saying the sky is falling and yes, we may come back to Bruins beat on, on Monday and just be like disheveled. Disheveled. Like, yes. like, oh, what, like what happened? You know, it's going to be 30. Like, it's going to be just 30 minutes of us just being like, we have to delete Twitter now. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> we can't this. We can't. I can't handle this. And then if, if the Leafs ever move on to round two and the Bruins did it and oh my God. Um, but we're getting way ahead of ourselves. They'll be fine. They'll be fine. And even if they lose game six, even if they lose game six, as I said, game seven, heck, hella stressful, hella stressful. But I still think, I still think that, as you said, the team with the most regular season victories ever, uh, the best regular season team ever, the team that is as deep as they are, I still think they'll be fine. I do. 
I don't know how Florida, again, they can Florida win three in a row against you. I mean, they can, but I just don't see it happening. I don't, I don't, Um, but who knows? It's been a weird series. Florida's found a way. They're hanging around. I mean, credit to them. So we'll see what ends up happening. Uh, Connor, what can people look forward to from you over the next uh, game or more? Yeah, uh, I'll have you covered every step of the way down at the Rainforest Cafe. No, at the FLA Live <laughs> Arena. Uh, you know, we have our, our full squad going down there uh, with the Globe and Boston.com covering you every step of the way with game recaps, notebooks, features, columns, all that good stuff. So please follow over there on those sites with all the work we put out there, not just for the Bruins, but everything. A whole bunch is going on today, whether it's the Patriots and the draft, Celtics, Red Sox, everything. We have you covered every step of the way. If you want to follow me on Twitter, you can at Connor Ryan underscore 93. Go do all that. And remember to go subscribe to New England Hockey Journal. That's Connor Ryan. I'm Evan Marinovsky. Poke the Bear listeners. Have a great rest of your week. 